Welcome to the Impressive Digital Marketer Podcast. If you're a brand manager or a marketer, entrepreneur, or you're just interested in everything digital, listen up, because this podcast is for you. We're Impressive, a digital marketing agency in Melbourne. We've put together this podcast to cover some of the most current topics in digital marketing. Every two weeks, we'll be talking about subjects related to SEO, PPC, and Facebook advertising. Some of the industry's experts will be jumping in on the mic for each show with a different set of hosts every fortnight. This podcast is run by you, the listener. So reach out and tell us what you want us to talk about. All right, should we dive into the world of digital marketing? Welcome to today's episode of the Impressive Digital Marketer Podcast. Today, we're going to be chatting about some of the most unusual tips to write the best direct response copy. My name's Kate. I'm a social media specialist at Impressive, and I'm joined here with Jesse. Hey, Jesse. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you going? Going really well. Yeah, thank you. So, what is it that you do at Impressive? At Impressive, I am the inbound marketing specialist. So I create marketing funnels and use direct response copy to convert leads into customers. Cool. And what is what is it when you say direct response copy? What does that mean? So direct response copy is a more salesy version of copy. So it's basically saying, hey, we know that you have a problem. And so we want to make a business deal with you to solve the problem, buy this from us. So such as if you have a problem with your plumbing, you go to a plumber's website and if they have a blog on the plumbing, that's not direct response copy because that's just, you're just in the awareness stage and you're trying to find a solution to your problem. But if you go on the plumber's website and you like go on a chat bot or something and it says, hey, let's show up right now and I'll take care of this for like $100. Then that's direct response copy. Cool. So essentially it just cuts straight to the chase. Yeah, exactly. I guess direct response copies tends to get a bit of a bad rap in the industry from marketers and businesses. Why do you think that is? So I think it's because now we're trying to be more relationship driven with trying to market to people. So you're trying to establish your brand as an authority and trying to establish relationships with people in order to convert them into customers. And so direct response copy, it seems too pushy or seems too salesy. So it seems like you're trying to make the transaction and get something out of the people rather than become their friend. Yeah. And I guess is that that difference between like selling and becoming a solution. Yeah, exactly. So we tend to see, especially on social media, a lot of copy that's really short and snappy. Why do you think this is? Is this the best way to approach copy? Well, Kate, you're a social media expert, so you probably also have insights into this. But what I think is that, and correct me if I'm wrong, but there's a lot of different things that you're competing against when you're trying to write sales copy for social media. You're competing against your granny's pictures. You're competing against events that you want into uploading pictures. You're competing against the Kardashians even, right? So you have to have short and snappy copy in order for people to uh, divert some semblance of their attention to whatever you're writing. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's the best way to create direct response copy or to write sales copy. It's just the way that works on that platform. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a difference between the type of copy that you would write on, say, Instagram compared to Facebook. Um, 
yeah, a lot of the time it tends to just be about really reading your audience and talking to your relevant audience. So yeah, exactly. And so what I think with longer direct response copy, the difference is that the audience is more so dedicating a space for you, right? So we we tend to see that longer copy outperforms shorter copy if you're making a sale. And there's a few reasons why I think that the trend is going for longer copy. One of which is that SEO actually, in order to get ranked, it prefers longer copy, right? And the reason why it prefers longer copy, I don't think necessarily is like Google's like, oh yeah, you got... 2,400 words, so that means your article is super awesome. I think instead it's saying, hey, a 2,400-word blog post is more in-depth and more comprehensive than an 800-word blog post. But if you can do a lot in those 800 words, then use it, right? I think it's about finding the right words and not necessarily the right number of words. Yeah, absolutely. And when we go back looking in the past as well, I mean, when we go back into something like the 50s and the 60s, you can see that it's all about the headline as opposed to the actual content so much. So the headlines were so important in capturing that attention, whereas today there's a lot more words that are available. Yeah. And so what is really important about the headlines is that it it's the decision that falls onto the reader. So the reader now gets to decide whether they want to invest more time into this. So to, especially with longer direct response copy, a, a more captivating headline, you're going to be like, okay, yeah, I'll devote seven minutes to this because I really want to see what's going on here, right? But how do you even like write a good headline? What's a good headline supposed to do? Yeah, right? exactly. Like w- when you look at a headline, what... What really, what, what are your favorite types of headlines? What kind of headline do you see? And you're just like, oh yeah, I'm really going to click this. This, this is going to be awesome. For me, it's, I find the ones that work quite well is like 10 tips or chip, tips and tricks, things that you want to click and read and you don't have to spend too long on. So headlines where it gives an indication of what the content's actually about, but you know it's also not going to take you half an hour to read it. Yeah, exactly. So Very engaging. Yeah. yeah. Headlines that immediately put the benefit of the article and the copy right there so that you can say, oh yeah, that's a good benefit. That's worth my time. And then headlines that, that tell you and promise you exactly what you get within the content. Yeah, so not clickbait. <laughs> right, exactly. So like, 10 tips. I'm going to leave here with 10 tips, whether I want to read everything or if I want to just like... Scam, yeah. Yeah. And then they also, it has to pique your curiosity, right? So that goes really into the target audience. So if it's 10 tips for like doing my eyebrows, I'm not going to click on that because a lot of times I'll just show up with bushy eyebrows. I don't, (laughs) I don't really care. But for someone that's really into manicuring themselves, that might be something that yeah, oh, I'm always going to click that article every time. Yeah, absolutely. Moving on from the headline, what do you get now after you click the headline? So what what's promised? So why do we use longer copy now rather than shorter copy? And David Ogilvie, who's like the father of modern copywriting, he says that the more you tell, the more you sell. And I think there's a few reasons why that is so so okay why do you think like the the twilight series was so popular well they, they knew their audience yeah 
writing to your to your audience, right? So ticking all the boxes for what they're interested in and and delivering on that. Yeah. And I would say too, it's because the main character was so bland, right? So the main <laughs> character was more of a, a conduit. It was more of an avatar for the reader. So the reader was able to directly put themselves into that situation. And so now all these things are happening around them and they're able to like go from setting to setting, meet all these characters and really they're within the story. And so that's what longer copy is able to do. Longer copy is able to give you a sense of place, give you a sense of what the problems are going on. And then it's able to sell you on the solution at the end. So it, it's just easier to tell a full fledged comprehensive story that the reader can sink themselves into with longer copy rather than shorter copy. Yeah, absolutely. It, it comes back to your short copy. It just wants to provide a solution. You want, you people are looking for something or they have a question about something. You just want to be able to pop up and be like, here's the answer. So I guess that's where the short copy comes into not being so pushy, but being more of an answer. Yeah, exactly. So why do we look to past tactics and past learnings, do you think, in today's industry where digital marketing is so progressive? So I tend to think that we've already discovered all the answers to a lot of our problems. And what we actually have to do is just go back and read what other people have discovered and read those answers and then find a way to apply them to today. So I think with the rise of copywriting back in the 50s and 60s and the advertising and advertisements that they were doing there, that they came up with a lot of good ideas that we may have lost along the way. And so when we look back at to see what people have done in the past, it's like, oh, yeah, they already figured this stuff out. So now we just have to apply it to what we're doing now. And oh, look. We have all this, it's successful. Yeah, there's all these past learnings that you can take away and just choose different elements or different tactics, but not necessarily recreate the entire thing. So yeah, maybe just not going over the top, but just taking specific learnings and applying them to today is a good way to approach it rather than becoming a bit too cheesy and just recreating. Yeah, exactly, for sure. And uh, I just wanted to bring up this uh, direct response copywriter that I read in the past. His name is Joe Sugarman. He, he rose to prominence because he was writing sponsored ads for magazines that got directly mailed to people. And one of his most famous ones was for blue blockers, so sunglasses that block out blue yeah. lights. Yeah. So he sold those through the mail. Now, how do you <laughs> sell those through the mail, right? You just have the advertisement and it, it was a story. It was a long, elaborate story. And what the story did was put people in the position where it's like, okay, so I'm walking around and, oh man, my eyes really hurt. And, oh, like girls aren't talking to me. What what do I do? Oh, I bought these blue blocker sunglasses and put them on and like everyone liked me. I was so cool and stylish. And also I could see really well. My eyes didn't hurt anymore. And so by the time that people got the, to the end of that sponsored advertisement, they were throwing their money at the at the magazine, yeah. just throwing it down because they wanted to buy. And the reason why they wanted to buy is because Joe Sugarman used a lot of direct response copy tactics that we can apply today. His, one of his mantras was that the first sentence, the job isn't to tell you what the rest of the article is going to be. The job of the first sentence is to get you to read the second sentence. 
And so that's how he figured out his strict response copy because he realized that people that got to the end of a piece of content were more likely to purchase than people that just read the headline or read the first few sentences. It's interesting too because a lot of that long-form direct copy is um, when writers are, are writing to what feels like just you, not just a whole group of people. So, I mean, that even goes back to when you look at something like TV advertising, sometimes it can feel like it's to a large audience or sometimes it can feel like the ad or the copy or what they're saying is just directly to you, even though you know that so many viewers are watching it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I guess if you get to the the end of a story in reading your copy as such, you feel a bit more invested and it's almost as though they're talking directly to you, mm -hmm. which is great when you consider that they're actually writing for such a large audience. So yeah, it makes it more effective when the person reading it feels like it's actually to do with them. Yeah, it's like, oh, this is my story too. This guy gets it. Yeah, it makes it more relatable and relevant to the audience that's reading it. Um Another interesting place that people tend to find inspiration can be from the junk mail. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Now, I know that sounds kind of crazy, right? Like, yeah. why, why sift through your junk mail folder for inspiration for direct response copy, especially when your Google Gmail is saying like, oh, you don't want to read this. But if you really think about it, now, remember those Nigerian print schemes? Mm -hmm. Why were so many people falling for that? Why did so many people want to give their money to something that obviously like yeah, didn't put their exist? credit card details in? Exactly. Yeah. Why did people want to do that? Because the direct response copy was so good. Now, when you open up your spam folder, what you should take a look at is you got to look at the subject line. What's the subject line actually doing? Why is it making you want to click through to the email body? Yeah. Another thing is that the subject of the emails, they're usually the reader, right? So it's like you, 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 you. Another thing that these emails do is they create a sense of urgency. We got to do this now. You have to send me money now or else I can't feed my family. Things like that. Or, or like, let's get rich like right now, but we have to do it within two weeks or else our opportunity is going to be completely kaput. And then the last thing to look at is how it makes you feel special, how you're the only one, you're the hero in this story. You're the one that can take care of this problem. You're the one that can slay this dragon. And those are just things that spam messages are able to do that we can then take and use in our direct response copy but without doing it in a black hat sort of way yeah and without making it too over the top and much more relatable so it's not too cheesy also on television that's another place where that tends to happen and and people listen to an ad as though they're talking just to them even though it's sent out to such a large audience what i think the a good place to look at for commercials is actually car commercials. What they do is literally put you in the driver's seat, right? You just see a fancy car or even the car dealership. So they're talking to you about your situation and it uses a lot of the senses. So it's putting you in the driver's seat and you're driving around like a windy road next to a mountain and you're looking at the sky, you're looking at the trees, maybe your kids are in the back and you're smiling. So that's using, that's putting the viewer right into that scenario. And that's what we have to do with our direct response copy. We have to put them in that scenario and open up all their senses. We got to make sure that they see what's going on, hear what's going on, 
if you're selling food, taste what's going on and hear all the sounds that are happening. Yeah, absolutely. Also, something that commercials do is that they have to know their target audience really well. They have to understand their target audience on a broad sense as well. So you're not necessarily doing what we do in digital marketing where we can personalize everything. Like, Kate, how do you figure out which social ads to send to people? Yeah, well, that's it's all about audience targeting. So knowing exactly who you're selling to. So by creating your persona, who would ideally be right for that brand or that product, um, you kind of work backwards in a sense that you then create your ads or your your retargeting ads even just around that person. So even though it's going to a lot of people, it, it's essentially going to one type of person or one person who ticks all those boxes. Yeah. So Yeah, exactly. And so you have to really know who that person is. Now on television advertisements, they can't do it on such a granular scale, but they have to know one thing that's really important and that's what TV shows do our target audience like to watch? So, okay, they really like to watch footy, right? So what are we going to put on there? Probably more so like, oh, let's go to the sports bar. Let's go to the pub. Here's some like food to, to eat like while you're watching the game versus you wouldn't really put a SUV commercial on spongebob squarepants because kids aren't your target audience to buy cars and so that's something that we can take away from television advertisers of really knowing who your target audience is and creating advertisements or copy specifically catered towards them and their interests well thanks jesse that's all we've got time for today make sure to jump onto itunes or stitcher and leave us a review and subscribe and we'll catch you next time bye everybody bye Thank you.